Keep your car looking its absolute best year-round with 303 Cleaners and Protectants. 303's revolutionary graphene nanospray coating gives you professional protection in a simple, easy-to-use formula. It will keep your car's paint protected for up to 12 months and give an insane level of depth and gloss. You can also use their brand new 303 Graphene Detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine throughout the year. It can even be used for quick cleanups of light dust and fingerprints in between washes. For a one-two punch to keep your car licking its best, look no further than 303's line of graphene products. 303 Graphene Nano Spray Coating to protect and 303 Graphene Detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine. Both products are available now at Advanced Auto Parts, AutoZone, and select Walmart locations. Visit 303radio.com for more information. Every search you make, every click you take, they'll be watching you. Are you tired of being tracked online? There's a simple solution. DuckDuckGo. It's an all-in-one privacy app with a built-in private search engine, web browser, one-click data clearing, email protection, and more, all for free. Download the app today and get the most comprehensive privacy protection with the push of a button. DuckDuckGo. Privacy simplified. Bradfo Show. That's my open? That's what they used to call me, Swivel Hits Bradford. That's my open. I'm okay. waiting for you to so justify what? your stupid opinion. Bradfo Show. That's delicious. Bradfo Show, episode 112. Trade deadline spectacular. We do not have any announcements. We did not make any trades today. Four o'clock came and went. The Red Sox didn't make any moves. Show up to Fenway Park. Life was sucked out of the entire building. Everyone's sad, has a frowny face on. Everyone has Dave Dombrowski in their crosshairs. Seems like a good time to do a podcast. And it seemed like a perfect guy to do the podcast with, if for no other reason, is that I taped a podcast with him in London, and it didn't tape. So I figured that, if nothing else, I owed him a podcast appearance. I mean, I, I owed you a podcast appearance, I'd say. It was... I, I'm I'm giving you something, right? You are. Yeah, I'm giving you some terrific insight and entertainment and time, and I'm, this is a gift from me to you. Well, we've done uh, we've done we did the podcast before, and in case people don't recognize the voice, which I mean, how can you not recognize the voice? That's Jason Masternato of the Boston Herald, and we did the podcast in the shadow of the London Tower Bridge, and uh, with all these London people milling about it was such a scene it was probably one of the best on location podcasts ever done drinking a beer drinking a beer just, you had you had your own fan section just, there was like 12 just, british guys who loved you just hanging out being people chanting eating drinking in another country it was it was second only to twin peaks in fort myers or, or maybe lord hobo brewing in in woolburn but it was a good time and we did the podcast and didn't take for whatever reason stupid technology but this one it's a new day and the red light is on every, so that's every, a good sign well it, the red light was on before it was the it was another issue but it doesn't matter we yeah. got some good photos from it we had some good bonding time it was a test one and all rows lead to this one which is the most more important one is this a higher profile podcast jason this is the podcast yes this, this is it yeah it's higher yeah. profile yeah. trade set, trade deadline let's set the scene here we're we're at fenway park a few hours after the trade deadline and I would I would rate the energy in Fenway Park out of ten right now as about a two and a half. And and as I said, it was it felt that way even before the Tampa Bay Rays scored five runs in the first two innings. It felt that way from minute one, from Jump Street, from the get go, from pitch yep. pitch Uno, right? Yeah, yeah, no, it felt it was like as it was soon a sad as, trombone. It was when Alex Cora walked in the door at three fifty nine p.m or whatever it was, 4 or 1 p.m., and we're all waiting for him. It was like you just knew right there that energy was down, that oh. all the energy that had been building over the last week of this team playing so well and destroying the Yankees in their own park and just steamrolling them and, you know, chorus saying, we're, I bet you a dollar every, team's gonna, every team in this thing is going to go after some players and make some trades tomorrow, and you just got to be patient. And really only one day. I mean, that's beyond. Actually, I give the Rays credit because, like, they're sitting there on the other side of the, 
the park and they have to feel good about what they did. Oh, yeah. And and what we're going to do in this podcast is we're going to take Dave Dombrowski's press conference, which you were there for. I was watching uh, because I was dominating the medium of television yeah. on the Nesson Trade Spectacular show. But I, I watched it just like you did. And it was it will go down, I think, as one of the more bizarre press conferences that we've had. That's right? what I tweeted right after. I said that was twenty six minutes of maybe the most interesting press conference I've been in with Dave Dombrowski. Maybe only to the one where it seemed like John Farrell should get fired and he didn't, and then they came back and and fired him. I can't remember the well. The there was one timeline. after the season where he said, "I passed John in the in the, in yeah. the hallway." Yes, and said, hey, "Good news, John. You coming back next year?" Yes, which was like, oh, so normally Dombrowski's press conferences are measured yeah. and reasonable, and you come okay. I get where he's coming from. Pretty straightforward. This one was he. He seemed, and we're going to go through and we're going to play you some of the audio, and then you respond to it. But this one seemed like, spoiler alert, he dug himself a hole early, and then for the rest of the time he was sort of talking in circles. The overall tone and tenor of it is, is, base, is, is something that we all know. I mean, this, is, this isn't a mystery, which is they paid a lot of money for this team. Mm-hmm. They have the highest payroll in baseball, yeah. and they basically said, you know, we should be good enough. Yeah. And we're, we haven't shown enough to suggest that we are going to be good enough. But recently, they sort of did. And, but they're just saying, hey, you know what? We, whatever we added, it, it's, it should, it's, it's not going to make up for the reality that we should be good enough with what we have. Yeah. That's ex- the lesson. Ex- That's the takeaway. Exactly. And the, my other takeaway was, well... The, my my one A takeaway was I've never seen a press conference where everybody in the all the reporters and in, in, that were sitting there had the same blank stare looking back at Dombrowski. Like everyone was looking at him like what? Like nobody really understood what he was saying, and he had like this smile on his face. It was very yeah, but you know, happy that's, and that's jovial. His, that's and, his thing. I mean, yeah. that's that's his thing. And so anyway, this, right, let's, let's listen to yeah, some of this. So yeah. the first one we're going to listen to is probably maybe the most important part of it, which is, like I said, which sort of set the tone, where Dave Dombrowski talks about the reason, I guess the truth serum is injected in the reason why he didn't make a stronger move. We had an opportunity to make a lot of trades if we wanted. And it really came down to that we just felt that demands for what um, we were going to receive that we didn't want to pay. So ultimately, it's a decision that we decided to make. There were just, I mean, there's some players we would have traded. I guess you trade any player like we've talked about in the past. But we just didn't feel that the deals with guys, either ability, with the role they would play, with the service time that they had, being free agents in a short time period, mirrored giving up the type of players that, that we felt, especially under the circumstances that we're in. Um, I mean, we're battling for a spot. Badland, I mean, we can hopefully we win a division, but I'm going to sit here realistically. We're probably playing first for a wild card spot, so you're playing for a one game wild card. And um, I look at that a little bit differently as far as what you're willing to do and the risk that you're willing to take. So I'm not disappointed because the ultimate decision is I, I don't know that there's a player that was traded out there that we couldn't have acquired. It's just that we didn't like the price that was asked and i guess the other part of it is to know that as you talk about our farm system over the years um we're getting asked about a lot of our players that we just didn't want to make moves on okay your take so so this is like a a pretty standard thing you know i think most fans would agree you know what he's right and this is this was my take leading into the trade deadline they were they're nine games back the new york yankees their chance to win the division statistically is like 4.5%. I'm not going to go give up a huge player to make a huge move either. I'm with why? them. Wait, wait, I'm wait, with wait. them there. Wait, why? It's, it's because if you win one game, then you're basically uneven. And if footing. you lose one game, you just gave up po- six and a, and a half years of control of possibly an impact player. Sure, but it's, it's too... Here's the problem, is that you can't, you, you can't... Look at the other teams who are in this. Cleveland... Oakland, Tampa, right? They all make moves. Yep. 
they're all sitting there saying, we want to go for it. We don't care if we win the division or not. We're going to go for it because we do feel if we get in that door, it's important for our organization, for our fan but, base. But, but what are the teams you just named? I understand, but you can't think – you shouldn't think that way. Like, this is the difference, is that – so Tampa's basically in the same boat that the Red Sox are. Oakland's in the same boat the Red Sox right. are. But they spent, they spent like 30% on their Yes, team. right. Yeah. But so – they're, they all made moves. It's fine. Yeah. They come away. And I'm not saying. And they have that, farm systems also. Sure. Yeah, but they, they come away from, from today and they're like, here we go. Here right, we go. Right. Here, comes the, you know, here comes the last two months of the season. Yeah. And what the Red Sox are left with after that initial statement, I mean, this is yeah. early on in the press conference, you're left with, like, uh,. Wasn't really feeling it this year, right? It wasn't, uh, right. and and you can make the argument about well, is how important and if what I, the difference is between the wild card and division, but still, right? It's, so you're so, you're playing for the opportunity to to be to make a World Series run. So we agree. I think we agree that for him to say this was stupid. I would not have said that. There, there's we can because talk, it, it also, by yeah, the way, wasn't yeah. the message. Really, he was giving no. up until that point. No, and it was it made no sense for him to to and, and then like you said, then he has to crawl out of it for the next twenty two minutes, which we're going to get into here. But I agree that he shouldn't have said that. Where I disagree with you is that there's merit to what he said. That I I still would have went out and got players to help this team. I just wouldn't have given up one of your maybe you know you only got three really good prospects and then a bunch of okay ones. I probably wouldn't have given up one of my three really good ones. Okay, for this team. So. Then Dombrowski, he starts talking about what exactly they were going after. And we know that, as he points out, they know the relief pitching. This is what he said about going after the relief pitching market. Well, we talked right to the deadline. You know, our primary focus was relief pitching. That was our primary focus. Um, Not back-end type guys, because I think the reality of the back-end guys, when we start getting into those conversations, I don't don't know of any back-end. Well, Shane Green is one guy that moved. Um, back-end guys that any of the ones that we had on our list really moved. And I think part of that was the acquisition price. So they were more people that we felt could add another arm to our, our pen. And we tried to do that. We just didn't like the asking price. So we went right to the very end. Some people brought up positional player stuff to us today. So, again, you listen to anything. And we had a lot of conver- I think I bet you I have texts from 20 general managers on my phone right now from today. Um, and more than that over the last couple of days. So we tried, but just we didn't like the price at the very end. Okay, so there were trades made for relief pitching. What is baffling to me about the tack that they took is that you look at the relief pitchers in, that were traded, Daniel Hudson, you know, um, Strickland, Romo, um, I'm missing a bunch of other Ronis Elias, uh, but I'm not talking about the one that he mentioned, Shane Green. But these guys doesn't cost a lot to get him. Right. He's he's proven that. I mean, right. he, got, he does uh, it every year. Right, yeah. he does that every year. Yeah. So, so first off, it's like okay, well, why didn't you do that? And my guess is they they still have this blind hope of the projections of the Colton Brewers of the world right. and Nathan Avaldi is going to be enough and Darwin's and Hernandez is going to be enough and and Heath Hembry's going to come around and Marcus Walden's right. going to be okay. It's just everybody's going to be better than they are. But yeah. my thing is is at some point I've said this a million times that you have to pay for certainty at sometimes and and even though those guys that were traded aren't locked down, no question about it, closers. Yeah. You pretty know know what you're going to get with them, and, and I think it's almost it's a game of attrition in the bullpen. It's yeah, you might like Dave says later, we might trade for someone, and then they're not going to make an impact. Well, you, you could also trade for someone, and they will make an impact. You, you have like twelve guys out there. You're talking about well, maybe this guy will get better, and this guy will get better. If you add another guy, you have a much better chance of having somebody get better and having a guy that Alex Cora can rely on because. The night before the trade deadline, this is what gets me, is it's not like they went out and won 7 nothing and the bullpen was spectacular. The night before the trade deadline, they've got a guy with a 1.77 whip pitching in a one-run game in the sixth inning in Colton Brewer. And you got Josh Taylor, a guy who spent the, most of his career in the minors, pitching in a one-run game in the sixth inning. I mean, 
it's so clear that they needed help. It's it's crazy to me. And like you said, he's done this before. They didn't pay anything to get Brad Ziegler. They didn't pay anything to get Addison Reed. So my question to you, Rob, is are other teams just looking at the Red Sox organization right now and saying, you know what, we're done with this particular franchise. If they're not going to give us one of their actual good prospects, we're not going to go fishing for their seventh, eighth, ninth guys because their seventh, eighth, ninth guy is the equivalent of like a 19th guy on another team. No, you, this, it's a false narrative where you, you can always have the guy to get him. Like, okay, well, maybe the 20th guy in the Atlanta organization is the 10th guy in the Red Sox organization, whatever. You can still get him. He's proven that. It, other teams are in on Andrew Kashner, and they end up giving up two 17-year-olds. You can do that. The biggest question, another question coming off of that Dombrowski comment that we just played was the closer. Because, okay, you know... It's a little hazy about exactly where he was going, but I think he was trying to point out not a lot of closers were moved. Shane Green was the proven closer. Giles wasn't moved. Diaz wasn't moved. Right. And so, so you have that one guy in Shane Green. But this is the problem with that. What, what Atlanta gave up for Shane Green wasn't a lot. I mean, you could have gotten... We don't know for sure, but you could have gotten Shane Green without giving up anybody, certainly from the Major League yeah. roster. I'm guessing Bobby Dahlback. Yeah, Casas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Casas, not even question. Yeah. And, so, and so, but you weren't willing to go there. But there is a, a second layer to this, which I've been saying, and mm-hmm. I know the other people in baseball have been saying as well, when every time Shane Green was brought up in this respect – is that Detroit was always going to hold up Dombrowski over a barrel mm. more than any other team. Yeah. He did it, they did it with J.D. Martinez. Uh, that's almost a fact. Arizona's offer wasn't as good as the Red Sox offer. And people leading into this, I was talking to Jim Bowden about this on, on Sirius, and he agreed. He, he, after I had suggested it, he's like, yeah, and this is a former GM. Is, there's going to be one price. For Dave Dombrowski, and there's going to be another price for everybody else. Yep. And I don't know, however, way to other way to put it, when I see what they had to give up for Shane Green, yeah. and knowing what the Red Sox could have done. That's a great point. And and I, you look around baseball, and it's obviously it's not only happening with Dombrowski. I mean, look at the Mets with the New York Yankees, right? The Mets are if they're going to trade Zach Wheeler. Yeah, this is a little bit unique because yes. of how Dombrowski left the, Detroit. Right. And, no, definitely, and it's a great point by you, and, and good information that you got from other people. But it's it's common to see that from other team that there are different asking prices for one team to another. So that's uh, a great point. All right, so this next clip is Sean McAdam asking a question. And, and it's about we, money. This is the money clip. Yes, and, and we also reveal that, uh, the, um, that he passed a note to Dave Dombrowski, <laughs> which I, I talked to Sean about. He's like, I just sent him an email. It yeah. wasn't like I was sliding him a note. So anyway, uh, this is a question about money. No, I mean, I mean, our payroll's the largest in the game. It's ample to win. That's on me and on us. I'll take me. But it's a situation where, yeah, would you go, like last year, we went into the philosophy of we didn't want to go above 246. Because, as I talked about, and be redundant, there's a reason why they call them penalties. It's not only financial, you lose 10 drafts, picks in the draft. So our philosophy is, is always that we don't want to go over that number because of the penalties attached. However, last year when I sat down with ownership, we thought it was worth doing that based upon where we were as a team and how we were playing. Uh, This year, I never really approached that. But I would also tell you that in my conversations, I I had clubs come up with some unique thought processes, actually pretty pretty wise like they take a player back for international money to give us more cbt room and all this we didn't need more cbt room for the deals that we were talking about so it really was a matter not of cost and i think if i i mean i can't speak for john and tom and mike gordon because i i didn't present it to him but i've been my heart said hey this deal makes the difference they've never said no to me it really wasn't about even going over that threshold as much as we've already invested more in this team than we ever have in franchise oh, sure. history, so why not go for it? Sure. Well, I mean, and we are going for it. It's just that you still have to say, I mean, it's like every year you go for it, I think, as much as you can. But somebody, I know you sent me that note. 
Yeah, we're, we're in. We're all in. But the all in is to me with what we have. All right. So what's your takeaway from that? Yeah, this is pretty much what he's been saying the whole time that, well, we don't really have to stay under the third luxury tax threshold, but we're going to. And, you know, my takeaway was he says he can convince ownership if he wants to. Totally believe that. He's got a great relationship with John Henry. They've spent a lot of money together. Totally believe it. So it goes back to the overarching theme here. Well, if money's not an issue, what is? And it's there's some for some reason they don't believe in this team. They don't believe in it. Well, it goes back, yeah. I mean, last year they went blue through it. They believed in that year's team. But the thing is, the tricky thing here, Jason, is that that we don't know for sure about the money thing. Because I I believe him when he says that he could have made these deals without worrying about that. We've done the exercise with all these relievers. You didn't have to blow through the threshold to make these deals. And so... You know, I don't think they they wanted to, but still, it's it's you know it's one of these things where it goes back to you know the the John Henry thing, where he said we spent our money, right. we spent our money, and and I don't blame him. Right. So, yeah, I, I don't blame. So yeah, I, I don't blame them for not wanting to spend money either. I think the fans have a difficult time looking at this and say, okay, wait a second, you know, your va- value of the team is going up $875,000 a day on average since they purchased the team, the, the value of the team. So wh- why, do, why should I care about you getting taxed? It's, obviously, you're still running a business. You still look at the compounding tax set. If they go over the third level, it's, a, it's up to a 90% tax now on everything over that. Mm-hmm. And you lose 10 spots. So it's like you understand the business perspective. You understand why fans say, who cares? You know, we're paying you a lot of money. Just spend the money. It's like... This, this is always a tricky one to navigate for me. How do you yell at an owner who spends more money than everybody else? Yeah, you can't. I mean, that's, yeah. that's what John Henry hangs his hat on, and I don't blame him for hanging that nope. said hat. So here's, a, here's another uh, soundbite from Dombrowski, and I want you to listen to the first line. where he be, This is the first line he says, and I'm spoiler alert. He said, this is our group. Let's go. That's what he should have said from the get-go. Yes. That's, that, is what, that should have been the message from minute one of this press conference. But anyway, he also, in this quote, in this, in this soundbite, has this bizarre rant about Houston, which is... This, was part, it, this was the most nonsensical part of the entire day. All right, so let's listen to it. This is our group. Let's go. I, I mean, that's it. I mean, this is, but you know, we didn't make a trade on the trading deadline day last year. We did get Cashner already, so it's not like we haven't done something to help our ball club. And we wound up, and we brought Evaldi back. We think he's just raw, raw, kind of rounding into shape now to be ready. I mean, I, I couldn't find anyone else throwing 101 that we think that, so we think he's a nice addition. Um, we think we added Darwin's and Hernandez here recently, so sometimes they come in different ways. And, um, you know, it's a situation that if we can get in and you know play the one game playoff, I know, like for example, Houston made big trades today, and they're really good. They were good beforehand. If we play Houston, it will be in the playoffs, right? So we'll see what happens. But we have, I mean, if we play up to our capabilities with our guys in our starting rotation, we can, I think, beat anybody. All right. Can you make sense of this? <laughs> it doesn't make any sense to me. He says if we're going to get to the playoffs, we're going to play against Houston, right? Yeah. So we'll see what happens. Okay. So <laughs> I guess we'll see what happens. I don't know what – I think what he's trying to say is uh, it's a crapshoot in the wild card game. We think, we think we can compete with any of these teams, even though the Astros just got incredibly good. And maybe we didn't think there was any chance we could be as good as the Astros, or we think we're good as the Astros no matter who they acquire. I, I'm not really sure what he's saying there. But this is also the beginning, Rob, of the defensiveness, isn't it? This is this is the first time when he starts coming out and saying he he, he changes his course. No longer is this well, we're not really worth investing in, and now it's well. Here's why we don't need to invest in because we have all these great guys who are going to perform better. <laughs> it was so bizarre. It was so bizarre. It was. And it just felt that that moment, it felt like basically like what I was saying that he's he's talking in circles, he's chasing his tail a little bit after that initial comment. I'll say it again. What he should have said is what he ultimately said in that one line. Okay, this is our group. Let's go. Like this is it, and that's what that's what the players want to hear. And 
fans maybe don't want to hear it, but don't do the whole thing about co- to come back to the wild card division. Right. Either you think you're good enough or you don't. Right. Even if even if you don't, you you have to just say, hey, you know what, guys, let's go. This is the group that we have because you know a lot of people have asked about the clubhouse about what do you think they're saying in the clubhouse. I don't know how you feel, but. I, you know, I, I've seen teams where they're like, oh, we should have gotten guys. We should have gotten guys. What a disappointment. I think this group wants this group to succeed. I think they they want to circle the wagons. And, and maybe you know, from our perspective, it's not the realistic thing to do. But that's, we're the, us, and that's them. Right, right. And they've seemed to, even look at last year, there's something about this group, and maybe it's the David Price factor. I don't know. But they seem to enjoy making up false enemies, even if they don't have them. Right? They, they want to say, well, look, you doubted us here. You doubted us there. This guy over here said we couldn't do it. Well, look at us. We're doing it. So there's probably some aspect of all of this. Well, you know, everyone says we didn't make a move, and now we're screwed. Well, let's go show them. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if that, that was a rallying cry. I always go back to... The, the Yankee series last year in the postseason when everyone's like, oh, everyone gave up on us in that Yankee series, and, and all of a sudden they had new life because they think people gave up on them. Well, they, they looked horrible in that first right. game. Well, so. also, you know, you look at when they were even talking about selling or hinting at selling, I know that some of the players who might have been sold, they were nervous because they were like, I don't want, we don't want to lose this group. We, we might have to leave this group in two months, but we want to make another run. This is a whole idea of bringing everybody back. We did it last year. Like Chris Sale said this to me in London. Like, we did this last year. We're just a little bit away. You know, that we, we know that this group can do it because we did it last year. Even while we're sitting back there saying, oh, well, you know what? It's not the same because you don't have Kimbrel. Right. Everybody, you know, you've approached spring trip. Maybe guys came in in worse shape. Maybe, right. you know, you're human beings. It just right. doesn't turn over like that. Right, exactly. And the starting pitching, obviously, which he'll get into. Okay, yeah, so that's what I want to get into now. So we can agree, I think we can agree, that the idea of getting someone at the at trade deadline, a relief pitcher, is sends the right message. Yeah. But the reality of this team is still going to be based on whether or not David Price and Chris Sale yes. and Rick Porcello, to a certain extent, can be what they're being paid to be. Yes, 100%. Yeah. So this is what this is when asked about that, that starting pitching dynamic. This is what Henry said. No, my frustration is that we just haven't played well enough as a team. And um, I think we're all frustrated at that time. But last week we were great, right? I mean, we played, we were 5-2 and two last week against two of the best teams in baseball, two of the better teams. And maybe we'll still go 5-2 and two this week. So we'll see. We have those capabilities. We had, you know, we had a tough game last night. We could have won. Um, it was one of those games that we had a chance to win and we didn't get it done. But that happens. But we like our club. And we actually overall have been playing pretty well for an extended time period. It's just that we have to continue to do that going forward. All right, so it's you know it's one of these things where I think that this is where Dave Dombrowski was caught in the trade deadline, and because he knows this, he knows that they have to be better. He knows that this is their ticket to either make it or break it. But you can't trade any of these guys. They already made their move with Casher, and that was a fifth starter spot. It's not like you're going to go out and get a Zach Greinke. They were not in the Zach Greinke market. No. No. And so your only hope, your only hope, Dave Dombrowski, is that these guys get on a run, turn it around, and somehow, some way, give the image that you can actually go up against a Houston rotation, which seems like such like a pipe dream right now. I think you have like four guys in that rotation with under three ERAs. Yeah, that's unbelievable. So, that but yeah. this is the reality, right? Yeah. No. This. I mean. It, this is what they were talking about early in the season that we keep going back to. Is It was Dana Levangie in Oakland. We were both there standing next to Dana. He said, what do you want, him throwing 100 now? Or do you want him throwing 100 in August and September to be there for his team in a, in a playoff hunt? Well, guess what tomorrow is, Rob? It's August 1st. So it's time for if they were saving Chris Sale legitimately, if this was a legitimate issue where they said, we're going to hold you back and then it's time to go. It's time for him to go. It's time, it's time to unleash the beast of, the, of Chris Sale because his velocity is actually not getting better. Uh, it was 93 miles an hour the other day, which is the lowest that he's had all season. Well, not all season, but since early in the season when he was having big velocity problems. Um, this is not the 96-97 guy that we used to saw. So where is that? This, is, this goes all back to their strategy of saving their starting pitchers. We need to start seeing that. 
Well, you, and I don't, you know, and the velocity thing. It's just you just need to like you. You're paying these guys to be this. They they, they, they have the highest payroll in baseball for a reason. It's in large part because they have paid. They're paying. They're going to be paying Chris Sale. They're paying David Price. They're paying Rick Porcello. Like these are the guys that are supposed to carry this team. And this is the one of the reasons, or one of the big reasons, why they felt like they were able to go into this year with the relief pitching and say we're going to we're projecting. And I go on get on my soapbox and I go on my rant about how once again it is proven that you cannot. Go or you should not go off of projections. John Lester, we're projecting these five starters. Eh. David Ortiz, we're projecting that everyone's going to take a step forward. Eh. Bullpen, we're projecting that Matt Barnes can do all of this stuff. And Ryan Brazier and Tyler Thornburg and Stephen Wright. Eh, 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 eh. Right? Yeah, yeah. I, I, what do you want me to say about that? I don't, I don't know. know. Yeah. Just say something. Jeez. <laughs> like, there were uh, just two uh, guys the, the sitting proje- around eating, drink, eating and drinking. <laughs> the, the, the projections where they've clearly been off over and over again is, is depth in the bullpen. It's that, that's what it is. And, and the interesting thing is it's not like they didn't know it. You know, I mean, you and I, we, we talked to different people in the offseason and, and in spring training. You talked to different guys in the front office. They were very aware of what they had, but for some reason they thought it was going to be enough. They thought all these guys, even though they looked at their bullpen and said, gosh, we have a lot of guys that are very similar. A lot of guys that are just kind of, you know, maybe 4A guys just kind of getting something needs to break for them to actually be real good contributors. Well, th- that's kind of what they still have. It's the same. It's, so I don't know where the projections came from or if they just said, we don't care, we're not spending no, well, any more no, money. Yeah, and there was an element of that. There's an element of, like, we have we understand our payroll is at this, and we're if we're going to draw back on one thing, we think we can do it here. Because I think their total payroll for – uh, for relief pitching heading into the year was like $7 million. Yeah. It was less than what one, one Yankees the, reliever The most made. expensive reliever is no longer on the team. Yes. and uh, But another example. Tyler like, Thornburg. Yeah, which you, you, you made the mistake of tendering him a contract. You paid the money. And, and that goes back to another point, by the way, which is Dombrowski's stubbornness. Right? I mean, why, Thornburg's was here this year and cost them a million and a half dollars that they could have used somewhere else. Because why? Because of stubbornness. Yeah, I think I think there. Yeah, I think he sees he saw the best in him, and the best was just was never going to emerge. Right, because he wanted that trade to be not as bad as it was. And it reminds me before we go, you know, it reminds me also of like you know, the lesson that I thought they would learn from last year, which is it's better to have. And this just sounds weird because they won the World Series. But it's better to have too much, a little too much, than, than a lot too little. And, and you remember, you remember last trade deadline, last year's trade deadline. It was a lot of the same stuff. Like, it wasn't nearly as entertaining as this press conference. But remember, it was, we think Tyler Thornburg's figured it out because yep. he's had five straight appearances, give up one hit. And then once August 1st came around, it took a hard turn. We Ryan, Ryan Brazier or whatever how he pronounced his name. I know, but, I know. I, but it's uh, but he, he you know he he mentions him. It, that did work out, but you know they were like even though they made, won the World Series, they were still a relief pitcher short. They were. I mean, they, right. Steve, Stephen Wright was he was supposed to be part of the equation, late inning equation on Game One of the ALDS. Right. So, are you saying that? This might work out okay. No, no, I'm saying that you know, they they in this press conference they did the same thing. We think of Aldi. We think right. uh, we think go down the list. Right. This guy, but that guy, out this last guy. Year. So you're kind of making no. The point it didn't that... work out last year. Well, it it, it worked were... out because they put starters in the bullpen. Right. So, but it worked. Sure. It, but... Yeah. So... No, no, but it didn't work out like they planned. No, it didn't work out that like they planned, I mean, but, they, know, but it, no, they got no. away with it. They got away with it. That's yeah. my point, though. Yeah. I mean, they they won last year because they had something they didn't ha- they don't have this year, which, which is, is starting rotation, right? Which is going to be lock solid, no doubt about it. Give you six innings at a whack, right? So, and but I'm just and saying, I'm just saying that yeah. you 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 mentioned the the game before the the trade deadline, and that was a perfect example of this. 
where you know you run out in key spot. There was in that those were key spots. Yeah. Marcus Walden. Yeah. All right. Marcus Walden was a nice story for a while. Yeah. It, it, we've come back down to earth with Marcus Walden. Yep. Colton Brewer, I get it. You think he's Lance McCullers, and you know, and you can see the potential in him. That's fine. But it, you know, this Josh Taylor. All right, great. You know, he had a nice run. He throws ninety-seven. But you know, these are the guys you keep saying we see the best in them, and this is the reason why. Oh, we have these guys. We don't have to go out and get a Sergio Romo. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Yes. And and. It, it, this all goes back to the big point where does Dombrowski look at this team and believe in it? Or is he – because he can go out – he's the type of guy that I believe can sit up there on the podium and whether he believes it or not can make an argument, right? Like he may not actually believe in, the, in these guys. Uh, while he's up there saying, well, we believe in Josh Taylor, we believe in, in, in uh, Darwin's and Hernandez, we believe in Colton Brewer, but he may not actually believe it. And put your money where your mouth is. Put your action where, where your words are. Well, his actions was inaction. His actions was, I don't believe in this team. And that's why I go back to my big point is that he doesn't some, – for some reason he looks at Chris Sale and he looks at David Price and he says they don't have it this year. Maybe there's injuries we don't know about, Rob, right? Price missed a week earlier in the season with an injury. We still don't know the, the details on Chris Sale's shoulder. You, you have to wonder, they know more than we do, is there something about this team that they just aren't believing? That's a good point, and that's something that I think no one really touched on and we can't. It's hard to. It's hard to quantify. I mean, this is the problem: is that we can sit there and say, "Hey, you know what? How dare you give up hope? How dare you say uh, maybe this isn't this isn't the team that we we like it to be?" But maybe they have more information. Exactly. I mean, in exactly. in but until we get that information, we just have to do podcasts <laughs> on, on on things that are right in front of our face. And and the one thing we haven't gotten to yet, I don't know if you're planning on playing the clip. Um, but where he's asked if they were going to be sellers, if there was ever a point where they were going to be sellers. All right, let's play that clip right now. Well, I don't think that I, was really ever on the table, but I think when our conversations the beginning of last week was more a matter of just seeing where we're going to go. Uh, we never really talked about, per se, selling when you talk about that. But in the beginning of the week, our phone calls were more of the nature of I'm not sure where we're going at this point. Yeah, so so here you hear him say, we thought about it, basically, right? I mean, we weren't going to sell, he says, per se, but we thought about it. We were, enter- we were entertaining offers. And that's the other thing I wonder is, were they, did they ever believe in this team? Were they looking at this and saying, gosh, we can get this and this for this guy. We can get this and this for this guy. Are we really going to go out and pay this price for this guy who we don't think is as good as ours? You know, everyone wants Matt Barnes. Well, we could have got this great, who knows, this, this guy for Matt Barnes. Why would I pay this other price for this Joe well, Schmo who's well, not Matt Barnes? Well, the fact is the fact that they were thinking about the – he admits to thinking about it a week and a half ago. They go on a seven-game run. And a lot of people said this and how important that seven-game run was and how that was going to define. And you know, we can look at it that way. It's like, oh, that team, that, is, that team can compete. But maybe, like he's saying, because Dave Dombrowski has been around a long time, and maybe he's like, hey, you know what, it was a nice seven-game run, but we were on the verge of selling. You went on the 17-game run. You know what that bought you? It didn't buy us buying. It just bought us just not, not selling. selling. Exactly. Yeah. And that's where we are here. So this is this is your team, Red Sox fans. This is these are these are the players that you will have to settle. And the amazing thing is, they, they we might see some totally unprepared rookies come up in August and September, Rob, because there no more waiver trades, no more. You know, there's, there are no players coming to this team that are already in the organization. If somebody gets hurt, well, who's going to come play for this? If someone gets in the bullpen goes down, who's coming up? You know, you another, know? another part of this, oh, I already miss a yearn for the waiver trade deadline. I, I didn't know how much I would miss it until, <laughs> until we cruise through the non-waiver trade deadline <laughs> and realize it never existed anymore. It doesn't exist anymore. But, you know, so remember, like, we've seen teams – where they've collapsed after you're sort of on the fringe, and then you collapse. The 2011 Red Sox. Right. Or, no, but no, I'm not that. No, I'm talking more maybe 2012, where all of a sudden you collapse, and then mm. now you have these guys that you just want to sell. You just right. want to trade, and you're trading guys left and right in August. 
and and then you call up the young guys and you play. That's no longer an option. No, no. I mean, and then, unless you're gonna like have, unless you're gonna have guys just sit. Hey, hey, Rick Porcello, we we know that your contract's up. You just hang out here, and and we're gonna call up uh, call up somebody, Brian Mata, to to take your starts. Right. It, it's there's no option. To, no, that's to, it. Because you that's know what? Point. Because you know, with a Rick Porcello, he would have cleared through waivers. Oh and yeah, you could have traded him. Oh yeah, no, that's a great point. My my, my quick my quick hot take on the on the tri- the. Tr- waiver thing is I'm sick and tired of hearing people complain about it. Okay, Dave Dombrowski today says, oh, well, I wish they'd move it back. And Nightingale had the tweet the other day from USA Today where he said a lot of GMs are wishing they'd move the actual trade deadline back so they have more time to figure out what you want to do. How, how about this? You have the entire offseason to figure out what you want to do. Yeah. Pre- be prepared. Be proactive. And you know, what the, you know what else this does? It forces you to build a farm system. You can't get away without having one anymore because you have two months of baseball where if you need help, there's only one place you're getting it from. Yeah, that's a whole other podcast. What we learned from going through this for the first time. Yeah, it'll be Because I think that initially, like, you think, oh, everyone's going to make trades earlier. Then that didn't happen. Then, oh, everyone's going to make trades at the last minute. And really, you know, other than, you know, a couple, you know, the Granky one and thanks to Houston, that happened. But not a lot. I mean, I don't think there were as many trades as I thought there was going to be made. No, no, fewer. Fewer trades. So, uh, yeah, and so I come back to it in a nutshell without, you know, I just come back to John Henry's comments yeah. about once again, like I listened to Dabrowski and I heard John Henry. So th- that makes me wonder if did John not believe in this team from a month ago when you talked to him? Oh, I mean, the did he have no belief? It, I don't at that time. I yeah. don't think he had a great belief. I yeah. think he that was what was weird because I, I think I tweeted this is that. I think a month later, I think maybe I thought that maybe their, you know, the the minds had been changed even a little bit. But talking then, he was clearly he was clearly skeptical. I mean, the yeah. fact that he brings up, you know, for the this is for the fourth time we won a World Series and we don't react the right way. I mean, he was already he upset, was already right? yeah he buyer's was, remorse already. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like yeah. maybe well, well, what would you do different and not? Hey, maybe you shouldn't bring everyone yeah. back. And that was a great story you had and. In, in, Late June, whatever that was, and, and I don't. It might have gone under the radar because those are some really interesting quotes from. John well, I keep. Henry. I try to keep surfacing above the radar because yeah. honestly, like I said this throughout, and especially today, which is, you should use that. You should carry around those quotes as a cheat sheet to what's going on. Right. And I know your guy Tom Keegan. He did. He did yeah. a great column on it. Yeah, yeah. But um, but it never and it never rang more true than listening to Dabrowski today, because I heard a lot of the same stuff. And a lot of it. Yeah. In a nutshell, it's this is your team, like okay. you said. So here's the team. You're looking at it. I think they're better than Tampa still. I think they're better than the A's still. They might be better than Cleveland still. I think they'll still get a wild card out of, out of this team. Are they getting in? Yeah. Well, so. I think that they have to get past this woe is us. Right. Sort of. And this is how it felt the day of the trade deadline. Um, this is how it felt from, you know, the third inning on, fourth inning on, and uh, the first game of the Tampa series. So you, you have to get right. I mean, because and it's not that complicated. Like, you get six innings from your starting pitcher. You win. You're probably going to win with that. Well, sort of, I mean, I mean with, that, yeah. with, with the offense that they've shown, right? But it's like I, I tweeted the other night: their best reliever is their offense. I yeah, mean, it is. I mean, yeah, I mean, he's, that's how they're going to win these games. But but you can't win. You can't win consistently, even with a good offense, unless you're getting at least a decent six innings from your pitchers. Yeah. And that's what they were doing when they go in on the roll. And and I got to be honest, you, you know, we were watching the Red Sox play the day of the trade deadline and. You know, there's no way to look around it. I mean, they won't admit it. It looks like a dead ass team. Totally, completely dead. Who like the only player who's looked alive is Chavis tonight, who who's you know probably oblivious to the whole thing. Like he said in London, I don't know what it takes to win a pennant. I, yeah, yeah. I have no idea. This is my first time being here. You know, it seems like everyone else kind of has this feeling like, oh, we you know, we we weren't enough to invest in. We maybe we don't believe in ourselves. And I've questioned the belief of this team all year. I've wondered how much. No, I, I, I think they believe. I think they do. I, yeah. I think they came in with a shit. Our shit doesn't stink attitude. Definitely. And and 
and I think they've been trying to play catch up because one of the things that Dombrowski said it was just true is like you you can't ignore that like they've had a good record since that initial beginning. Yeah. And I think to answer your come back to your question about can they beat these other teams? Yeah, they can because they have enough talent to. Yeah. They have as much talent as anyone. Right. And we're we're reacting to what we're seeing right now and what happened today. But you know, as we found out over the last week, couple of weeks. This can change in a hurry. Think about what happened after our good friend Asher Woji or whatever his name is, like <laughs> shoved it like yeah. on that Sunday. It was. That, it seemed like the end of the season, right? It, there. Right, and it, it, it turns, and, but and then it turned. It comes back to what they said, which is, and this is what John Henry said, looking back at those quotes, is that he said, "If we play to our, you know, like we should, we'll easily make the playoffs." Right. He's right. He's absolutely right, yeah. and that's why I think they'll still get in. So, will, you think they'll get in? Yeah, I kind of do. I think yeah. we're going through like the this is a lot of drama right now. Yeah, but all you know, all it's going to take is just one. You got to get you got to get a, who pitches uh, the third game in Tampa. You probably have already listened to this by now. Third game Cashner. in Tampa. Oh, against Tampa. Yeah, tomorrow when we're taping this. Oh God, I don't know. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. So you you just gotta whether it's here, whether it's sale in New York, whether. You just got to – you basically have to have a guy go out there and do what they had done for those seven games. That's right, it. Right. And then all of a sudden the conversation changed. They feel better about themselves. Yep. You're on way. Do, and, you, think, do you think they will make the playoffs? Yes, I do. And, and, we'll, and we'll go back to the Andrew Kashner trade. And for all the, all the hell we're giving Dave Dombrowski today, we might say, great trade. That was exactly what they needed. My whole thing when they trade for Kashner was they should have done it a month ago. I mean, yeah. I know a lot of teams don't trade in early June anymore, but Dombrowski's done it. I mean, they were hurting for a while. And if this team doesn't make the playoffs, I think a lot of people aren't, aren't going to just say, well, why don't you get bullpen help? They're going to say, what the heck happened those first few months of the season? They didn't do the thing with the starters we know we've, we've talked to at length in April. And then they didn't address any problems for two months. Well, they didn't make the cash in a trade because the guys they traded were – they had to uh, go from 16 to 17. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I have no idea. They had, and he's given them innings, and that's all they've needed is innings from their yeah, rotation. Yeah. And the offense does the rest. What a thrill it was to be back with you. Yeah. Should I, when I post this podcast, should I post a picture of us gazing out over the, the Thames River? Yeah, that's, that's pretty artsy. I think, you know, people can real, see the real Rob Bradford in that photo. I that, was, that was London Rob. That was uh, not London Fog, London Rob. Yeah. I bought three buttons down, hair <laughs> flying all over the place. A, a, a very heavy buzz from your 12 ounces of beer that you drank. Because we know, I did? We know you're a lightweight. Oh, well. And that you know, in that note, boom sauce, my friends, boom sauce. By the way, you know what I'm doing for a podcast? Huh. Very exciting. You know the they call them pedicabs. You know okay, the, yeah, yeah. You know these things. You're gonna take a ride and do a podcast. Yeah, like comedians <laughs> in cars. By the way, I was thinking of comedians in cars when you introduced me to this. Oh, <laughs> I saw this because you totally no your your introduction to me for this podcast. Yeah. You you totally set it up. You you set up the. The, sh- the reason why, and that's because Jason Master and I was here today. It's just like Jerry sent. I've the been cars. watching. I don't. I'm not a big fan of comedians and cars. I don't like how they edit it or whatever. But, but it did remind me. This is a quick story. Well, I know this is that, and I was thinking of this. I was doing the Nesson show today, and they're like, "Did you hear how Tanner Rourke found out about what he's traded? He was in Arby's." <laughs> Yes. Earling the double double beef and the cheese and the curly fly, f- f- fries, and as and I, immediately I wanted to tell a story on Nesson about you, <laughs> about so Jason picks uh, we go to the, we're driving from the airport Tampa. Uh, Tampa driving to the airport in Tampa. And Jason still hasn't recovered from his trip to Columbia in terms of my stomach is just holding mess. stuff down. Yeah. So I, I'm I'm a slave to wherever you wherever you're gonna go. I'm I have to go with you. And it's like, do you mind if we stop at Arby's? <laughs> and it's like I'm like of all the pl- this cannot be good to stop at Arby's. I, I had given up. I had totally given up at that point. My stomach was I was eating everything that they tell you to eat, bananas and crackers, and it wasn't working. And I said, you know what? We're going to Arby's because at least I'm gonna eat what I want. 
And we'll see how I feel. And yeah. it did not end well. It did, it did, it did, <laughs> surprise, surprise. The did, first beef and cheddar went down well. Tell, and then I tried to have a second tell one. Tell our audience why you wanted to go to Arby's, which is even because more bizarre than you wanting to go to Arby's when you have the craps. Because at the end of the Comedians in Cars episode with Seth Rogen, they're walking by an Arby's, and Jerry just looks at Seth Rogen and goes, how do you feel about Arby's? And Seth's like, yeah, sure. And they just walk into Arby's and start eating meat. And and uh, that was the end of the show. And I just loved the dry humor in that. And then it made me really want It's the Arby's. power of advertising, which makes, which is the reason why we were just two guys kicking back, drinking some boom sauce right now. And, and why aren't we getting money from Arby's? Like, we should, this, I don't want money from Arby's because I, much like Shaq, anything that I sponsor, anything that I promote, I actually want to participate in. Hey, you had some Arby's with me. Yeah, I'm not. It's, that's, it's like they said, one time. <laughs> one time. All right, we got to go. Bye. Keep your car looking its absolute best year-round with 303 Cleaners and Protectants. 303's revolutionary graphene nanospray coating gives you professional protection in a simple, easy-to-use formula. It will keep your car's paint protected for up to 12 months and give an insane level of depth and gloss. You can also use their brand new 303 Graphene Detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine throughout the year. It can even be used for quick cleanups of light dust and fingerprints in between washes. For a one-two punch to keep your car licking its best, look no further than 303's line of graphene products. 303 Graphene Nano Spray Coating to protect and 303 Graphene Detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine. Both products are available now at Advanced Auto Parts, AutoZone, and select Walmart locations. Visit 303radio.com for more information. Every search you make, every click you take, they'll be watching you. Tired of companies like Google and Facebook watching everything you do online? There's actually a simple solution. DuckDuckGo. It's an all-in-one privacy app with a built-in private search engine, web browser, one-click data clearing, email protection, and more, all for free. Download the app today and get the most comprehensive privacy protection with the push of a button. DuckDuckGo. Privacy simplified. Forget front row seats. We're taking you into the action on the field and in the dugout with Season 2 of Play Loud. Follow some of the league's biggest stars as we mic them up and get the cameras rolling during some of the hottest matchups of the season. Catch real-time reactions from Juan Soto and Francisco Lindor in the field and catch all the hilarious conversations between players off the field with unprecedented access. Watch episodes of Play Loud at YouTube.com slash MLB. Play Loud brings you baseball like you've never seen before. Never seen before.